I just took out my Patagonia vest. (laughs) (laughs) You are a finance bro in a Patagonia vest, obviously. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Spice Rack Pod. We have a really interesting book to discuss later, but before we get into King of Greed, Sav, how are you doing? I am doing okay. I am just on my period and miserable today, and like I work with a bunch of dudes, so I can't complain about it at work, so I'm complaining about it to you now. But other than that, I am fine. Yeah, I just, you know, sometimes I have like a really bad period last month and I was like if I could ever punch somebody it would be Eve oh my god <laughs> that skank hoe doing this to us <laughs> yeah I ate I had like an emergency Reese's in my backpack and it's probably been there for like two and a half months like in case of emergency eat this Reese's like and it all melted together I ate it at like eight fifteen this morning <laughs> so that's how you know that set the tone for my day so my boyfriend did trick-or-treating and um, they have like a box. Like, you know, when you go to the liquor store and they give you a box, that box is still filled with candy. So I went over Saturday. I was like looking through, putting like some stuff in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> Seth's work did this thing where if you had leftover Halloween candy, you could bring it into the office. And so there's this like huge ass box of candy in his office and people will snack on it for like the next year. I think that is genius because then it gets it out of my house. That is pretty smart. I think. Guys, I'm watching Game of Thrones. If you've been here for a minute, you know, I have been saying Game of Thrones. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I started it. Are you still only on episode one? Yes. Because we started it at like 10 o'clock at night. Oh my god, that's not something you can start that late. That's like a full viewing experience. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I rewatched the second episode, but like my eyes were already closing. And I was like, this can't be something I I half-ass. I have to watch the whole thing. You got a full-ass Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I started watching that. And then I'm seeing Priscilla on Wednesday. Very excited because Jacob Elordi is in it. My boyfriend's taking me. I was like, oh my gosh, I fucking love Jacob Elordi. He's like, you know, he's kind of an asshole. And I'm like, I don't think he is. And I'm like, and, and what's your point? What's his evidence? (laughs) I would like further proof that he's an asshole. Cause I think that he made that up. And I was like, what's your point? Like, that's not like a bad thing when it comes to Jacob Elordi. Jacob Elordi is my king. I would do anything for that man. Anytime. If I had to pick anybody as a hall pass, it would be Jacob Elordi. He's so tall so tall i gotta google how tall he is because he could bend me in half how tall <laughs> is jacob he is six five tall ass motherfucker oh tall so fucking fine too and then lastly i'm all caught up on the kardashians on hulu this reboot i just it makes them so much more relatable yeah then and i'm just now happy that I'm a Kardashian stan once again. Are you still team Courtney? No, I've been t- I was team Kim. I'm team oh, Kim. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm team, team Courtney. 
I know. I'm team Kim. I think Kim is just kind of a bitch. Okay, I think Kim's a bitch too, but I'm just like, she was saying how like, oh, I don't want this to like hurt like court. Like she kept talking about how she like knows that Dolce and Gabbana was so like soon after Courtney's wedding. So I was like, she's like feeling sympathetic. But then when they had that call and Kim had Courtney on voicemail, Courtney did not let, did not stutter. I was just like, yeah, I felt like I was there. That's my thing is that the whole reason for the fight is stupid. And I personally would not pick a fight about this. So I'm team, I'm team Kim in that aspect that it's dumb. But the way that she has handled it of saying like your kids talk to me about you and we have another group about you in it, like that's fucked up. I would never recover from we have a separate group chat and you're not. No, I would be every interaction (laughs) I had with every single person for the rest of my life. I would be like, are they in the group chat talking shit about me? Yeah, I would never recover from that. And like your kids, that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Game of Thrones. I got Game of Thrones on audiobook. So I'm going to give that a try. I've heard Game of Thrones is really hard to read. Because there's like 17 trillion characters. So I don't think it's going to be easy on audiobook. And I don't think I'm going to actually pursue it. But just a little connection to you there. I don't know. So I wanted to start on audiobook. K.A. Tucker, I think is her name. She has like a series. I think it starts with Tempt Me. And it looked like the perfect thing. It was free on Audible. It was dark. Da da da. But it is one POV. And I don't think I could do that with audiobook. Hey, Tucker has the simple wild about the girl in Alaska. Have you read that? I have not. It's pretty cute. I'd recommend it. So I started reading Boss, started listening to Boss Man by V. Keeland. Okay. And I like, like, her books are, like, easy, like, easy, like, palate cleanser books. So I have started that. I am very much in a book slump and I have nothing motivating me to read at all. Yeah, I don't know what I want to like even read next. I have no clue. I'm currently reading King. No, I'm reading Fall of Ruin and Wrath by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This is the same woman that wrote from Blood and Ash. This book Mm -hmm. is from Blood and Ash in a different font. I'm sure I will continue reading it, but, like, I got kind of bored, and then I got sucked back in. I'm just, like, not interested in anything. Like, nothing is captivating me for, like, probably the last three months. I think I will finally get to Emily Henry's Happy Place, because I know (laughs) that will just be a quick, easy read and, like, a palette, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't trust you. I don't think you will get to Emily Henry's. She has another book coming out soon. I was like, I have to read this one so I don't get behind. Mm. My copy of Iron Flame will be here tomorrow. I am ready to read it along with every other bitch. (laughs) That shit just like blew up. Like people have like fourth wing tattoos after the first book and like you gotta wait till the sequel comes out before you get a tattoo. That's all I'm saying. I personally don't think I'll be reading it. You won't? You didn't like to... the first one? It was okay. It was okay. But I don't think it needs to 
I don't know. All right. Hear me out. I think if you watch all of Game of Thrones, it will turn you into a fantasy lover and then you'll be able to read fantasy. That's my theory. We'll see. Because I liked Game of Thrones. The first episode, I liked it. It wasn't that bad. But half the time, I had, like, my hand over my eyes because I was afraid that somebody was about to get, like, murdered. So much. Every person you love in that show dies. Every motherfucking one. The the opening scene when it's, like, the three guys, I'm like, oh, are they about to die? My boyfriend was like, yep. He's like, you can't get attached to anybody. You can have zero attachments in Game of Thrones. Every single person you love will die. So. And it just be like that. And that's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to watch. So I've only seen like the first two Harry Potter movies. So I think I'm going to have to take a Game of Thrones break probably next month and watch the Harry Potter movies. I still can't believe you've never seen all the Harry Potters. And that offends me personally. But the fun thing is that while well, I've been because I've been rereading, listening to them. Right. So I finished order of the phoenix last week so then seth and i watched order of the phoenix on halloween so i'll like finish one and then we'll watch the movie so i'm like he's like wanting to finish all of them i'm like no i cannot listen or i cannot watch the rest of them until i've listened to them all oh that's cute that you guys are doing that though yeah i personally think that harry potter is like a christmas movie because it's like wintry and there's some like christmas love in there so it classifies as a Christmas movie for me. Same with Die Hard. Have you had any, like, the holiday, like, the Christmas drinks yet? No, I haven't. What do you mean by Christmas drinks? Like, from Starbucks? Yeah. Duncan has some out now, too. But I was like, it has to get colder for me to have, like, a peppermint drink. I, okay, here's where I'm at. The Starbucks iced chai latte with pumpkin sweet cream cold foam that shit inject it in my fucking veins it is so good that i'm not ready to say goodbye to her yet like i need more time with her yeah i was like it has to like it's 78 degrees right now i was like i can't have peppermint correct the thing about the weather in georgia this time of year that pisses me off is that like i leave the house in my fucking winter parka because it's 50 degrees outside and then it's 82 by the time i'm like doing shit at work in the middle of the day and I'm sweating. Yeah. I said it's like I have a good 15 minute walk to my car. So I'm like, it's cold. I'm not going to walk 15 minutes to my office in the cold. Right. And I'm just like stuck with this big ass jacket. I wore my Ugg boots to work last week. And I work with a lot of men. And I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm probably like the youngest, trendiest gal around okay (laughs) and someone called me basic because I had my Uggs on I was like you know what I have these Bottega dupe earrings that every fucking person has I have my Uggs on and I had a free people sweatshirt on I was like you know what bitches that's fine I will be basic no one judge me I look better than all you anyway (laughs) that's just where I'm at no we've had this discussion before like I love being basic I don't I don't give a shit I am basic to my core and I'm proud of it. Yeah, I don't care. And I look great. So everyone can fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, getting into King of Greed by Anna Wang. I don't even think we said that that's what we're reading. 
<laughs> but we're reading King of Crete. Surprise. So Anna Wang is a friend of the program, and we are so excited to discuss King of Greed. Anna is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and number one Amazon bestselling author. Best known for her Twisted series, she writes new adult and contemporary romance with deliciously alpha heroes, strong heroines, and plenty of steam, steam angst and swoon. A self-professed travel enthusiast, she loves incorporating beautiful destinations into her stories and will never say no to a good chai latte. Books by Anna include Twisted Lies, Twisted Games, and King of Wrath. And today we are discussing King of Greed, which is the third book of the Kings of Sin series and follows Alessandra and Dominic's marriage in crisis. And then the dedication, which I really like, and I think it really goes well with the story, is to knowing your worth and never settling for less than you deserve. So getting into the plot, so... Dominic promised himself that he will get to the top of the world. He married the love of his life, became CEO of a financial company, has friends he could count on, and had billions in the bank. Even though he reached his goal, greed and wanting more led him to always put work above everything else. This chase of wanting more led to him putting his wife, Alessandra, on the back burner. After missing their 10th anniversary, Alessandra has had enough and filed for divorce. The divorce shook up Dominic's whole world and forced him to face the consequences of his actions. Refusing to let Alessandra go, Dominique does everything in his power to get Alessandra back, including flying to Brazil, helping her with her shop, and even sitting back while she dates other men. The tension between the two never fizzles, which leads to some tension-filled scenes. The two realize that they cannot live with each other, and after dating N, the two find they're happily ever after again, surrounded by those who they love. I gave this five stars. I really liked this book and I was a little nervous because King of Wrath was great. King of Pride was not my favorite. And then we were back to like Anna Huang's best hits. I felt like with this book, gave it five stars. It really felt unlike anything I've ever read before with the second chance marriage and them getting back together. But here's where okay this entire book felt like a gut punch for me like I think I cried a lot like it was really emotional and you really felt for them like they loved each other so much and sometimes like love just isn't enough and I think that that's what you kind of saw in the middle of this I also really enjoyed the flashbacks and seeing their initial like swoon worthy kind of like what we normally read about, right? Like you were just getting it in flashback form and then getting them come back together. I really appreciate the friendship that is developed between Alessandra, Vivian, and Isabel. And I'm really excited for Sloane's book. I think that that's going to be amazing. Um, and I also really enjoyed Alessandra's relationship with her brother in this and like seeing him talk about like you were a great brother-in-law and I still love you like a brother but you're not my brother-in-law anymore so it was just really interesting I think that like this concept of two people love each other they go through something they split up and then they get back together and they're like rekindling just isn't something that I've read about before and I really really liked it do I want every book to be that trope hell no because this hurt me like I was sad. I was really emotional when I was reading this. So this is something that was cool to have never been done before. Not something that needs to be done often. That's all I'm going to say about that. This man was so fucking obsessed with her. Like, 
Let me just read a couple of quotes about how obsessed Dominic was with Alessandra. First, he says, there was beautiful and then there was her. Like, literally obsessed with her. I might not have expressed it as often as I should have, but she'd always been the sun keeping my world in orbit. He also says, I didn't know what I'd done in my past life to deserve her. I wish I did so I could repeat it on a loop and ensure we found our way to each other in every lifetime. So I'm just like, God damn it. He's so in love with her and she's obviously still so in love with him, but he just needs to like earn it. And I do agree with her leaving. Like he was being a dickhead. Like she deserved more. And I think that it says so much that she was able to leave and have him sign divorce papers and have him work for it, even though they were so clearly in love with each other the entire time. And the epilogue when it's their second wedding absolutely destroyed me so I want to read his vow he says I will always be curious about you you show me the value of always learning growing and caring and I've never loved you more than in this moment watching you choose yourself when I didn't will always prove as a reminder to me of your incredible strength and what a privilege it is to call you mine I want to spend the rest of my nights with you I want to spend the next decade working to be the man you always deserved I want my greed to be for your love, your laughter, and our life together. I can't bear to be parted with you. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's a man ran by a woman. <laughs> Stab in the heart. Stab like, in the chest. I was on the bathroom floor crying for most of this. Like, it was just really fucking emotional, I felt like. But it was good. I loved it. Five stars. So I was a little bit scared going into this book. Because I did not like King of Pride, which is the second book. But this book was truly like nothing that I have read before. I ate up the marriage and crisis trope. And I think that this was the perfect trope to correlate greed with. Like, I think that it just like worked really well. Definitely five stars. Alessandra is an absolute badass. And I loved how she took the reins and like steered her life in the direction that she wanted. And it was not an easy decision. But she was just like, I need to do this for myself and I completely understand like her decision Dominique was beyond hot he was commanding and just a perfect package like I'm in love with this fictional character this book was also so sad and heartbreaking at times like I wanted to root for both characters at the same time but sometimes I was just like completely team Alessandra Dominique was the definition of if he wanted to he would but I wish he always was that way like he should have been like this thoughtful and this caring when they were married, it shouldn't have taken the divorce to realize that he fucked up. I liked how Alessandra opened her shop and wanting something that's dependent from her relationship. Like, I think that's really important to like have your own thing. And the mystery aspect of this book was perfect. And I think it flowed really well. I was absolutely shook when we got to the elevator scene and it was Ronan holding Dominic by gunpoint. And just like the Twisted series, I love the continuation of friendship in the series. Like, the girls' friendships with each other was so special. And I liked how the guys' friendship was also highlighted. Because I feel like male friendships aren't really highlighted in books. And this book just had it all. It had romance, passion, and a strong plot. And I am now excited for, like, the rest of the series. And I have three quotes. So, this is when, like, she starts talking. Like, they see each other again after the divorce. And he said... 
um, Dominico's wheel worked this out. The thought of living without her was incomprehensible, like asking a heart to stop beating or the stars to give up the night. Like, this is what made it so gut-punching because they are both still so in love with each other. And then he goes, I'll spend however many lifetimes I need to rediscover those parts of you because you are it for me in every iteration of every life. Things may have changed since we got married, but you and me, we were always meant for forever. And then the next quote, I think it was, this is probably one of the hottest quotes. She warranted attention, not delegation. So like, don't delegate somebody else to give her that love that like you need to be giving her. And I just thought that was such a strong, like, yes quote. She warranted attention, not delegation was chef's kiss. I saw this TikTok the other day. I don't think I have it like completely saved. But this girl got a note from her boyfriend right before the boyfriend like broke up with her. And it was like to the next guy that loves her. Like she's allergic to hot chocolate, but like she's still going to want to drink hot chocolate Um, in the winter, take her somewhere warm. And he like signed it and was like, I wish I was better and hopefully I'll be better in the next life. And so I say that TikTok after this book, I was just like, no, I was like, I would never recover. Oh my fucking God. So I was like, how it was with like Dominic. I was like, why couldn't you have been this way? Before Before the divorce. Yeah, I think that was my biggest struggle is like, I don't know that I would have given him a second chance. Like, I respect that they loved each other so much, but that's why, and I think I'm going to talk about this in the boyfriend pyramid, that's why I struggle with him because, like, he was so absent. And I don't, I don't know that she should have taken him back as soon as she did. Mm -hmm. I love that your TikTok is nice and sweet. Can I tell you what mine is? Yeah. This girl yesterday I saw on TikTok was talking about fictional trips to Paris she should take. So the best threesomes, like the best (laughs) two men to Eiffel Tower her, like who she would pick to Eiffel Tower her. I I mean, I feel like we've got some good ones that we can (laughs) choose from. But yeah, your TikTok is like, I'm going to write this girl's to the next boyfriend of this girl that I'm in love with and mine is fictional Eiffel Towers of men (laughs) no my TikTok feed has to change because I I, when I go at night and scroll on TikTok before I go to sleep I'm just fucking crying yeah I gotta be honest you have been reposting shit and you're making my TikTok feed sappy (laughs) as hell so anytime I see that you reposted something I swipe so hard I'm like I cannot have Emily's (laughs) algorithm ruin mine Okay, so getting into the spice. So yes, it was this book was gut wrenching, but it was pretty spicy. I think I gave it one and a half peppers. The tensions gave it half a pepper for me. I gave it one pepper. I thought that there was more potential. It was a little bit. It was like a slow burn for me. Yeah, that's very true. I have to do so two quotes, and then I have to get to the art gallery scene. That's what the <laughs> quote says. So. They are, um, like, having, like, sex. And this is, like, the first time that they're having, like, sex since the divorce. But he goes, I gripped her thighs and rested her legs on my shoulders so I could thrust my tongue inside of her. I locked her ruthlessly in place as I tongue-fucked her, letting her sobs of pleasure drive me faster and harder until she finally came with a shuddering climax. And then he was, like, I looked down. And he was, like, it was the end of me because seeing my cock slide in and out of her, seeing how perfectly we fit and how fucking well she took me, was so fucking hot and primal that my orgasm peaked without warning. 
Mm-hmm. And then I could die in this pussy. Ow. I could die right now knowing that you are mine. His hand wrapped lightly around my throat, pinning me to the leather while he moved us into ecstasy. Okay, so the art gallery scene. So he rents out this art gallery, like just them, and each exhibit is about flowers. So she's very into flowers. She asked for press flowers. So it's like very meaningful. And she was like, I'm going to take command. She was like, I'm going to take like reign of this like situation show. She takes command and like tells him what she wants. And he goes, she goes, Dominique trailed slow lingering kisses up my thigh before running his mouth across my pussy. The coolness of the wall so through my back as his tongue speared into me and right there in the corner of the gallery with my leg on his shoulder and his hand braced on my hips. He aimed me out like a man starved. My cry kneed through the room as he gripped my hips harder and tongue fucked me into a swollen, dripping mess on his face. This man loved to go down on her. Loved it. We got several scenes of just him going down on her and he loved it. I do, in fact, have the end of the art gallery scene because you want to know what happens at the end of the art gallery scene that was so fucking hot. I'll tell you. Um, she has an orgasm. The orgasm, the past crashed away in a, in a wave and the orgasm burned closer. It was then that I felt him shudder and groan again into my pussy. He'd come on the ground at my feet, spilling his promises against the tile. The way it felt to have him kneeling in front of me, fucking me with his hand and fucking me with his hand and fucking himself sent me over the edge. Yeah. That is hot. Yeah. Like, I'm not into, like, being dominant, but the concept of, like, he's eating you out and also masturbating, and she's, like, and him on his knees, like, that is fucking hot. I don't make the rules. It just is. My other little cunnilingus scene, if you will, is when they are at the gala, and he scares away her boyfriend well, the, her date, because he was a fucking piece of shit and he punches him in the face. And then they go up in the library and he's like teasing her, takes off all her clothes. She's sitting in this leather chair. She says, his tongue laved me, lighting my nerves on fire as I soaked the leather below me. Rough hands stroked and gripped my thighs, never giving me what the thing I wanted most. Do you think I could live without the taste of you on my tongue, without the sound of your whimpers in my ear as you take my cock? His words painted my skin with dirty desires. Like, he had a mouth. Anna! All right. And then, this is my personal favorite. They are hooking up, I think, for the first time post-split. And she says, please, more I need more. He says, more what? I grazed her teeth. I grazed my teeth over her nipples and soothed them with soft, leisurely licks. Tell me what you want more. She says, I want, oh God. And then she gets distracted <laughs> because he starts going down on her. He says, I asked you a question. Tell me what you want or I'll keep you here all night. That's hot. Done for. Tell me what you want or I'll keep you here all night. I like the concept of like, what do you want? And I'm not going to do anything unless you tell me exactly what it is. Yep. Do you have a hard time speaking up in the bedroom or do you just be saying shit? Me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say things? No, because I start giggling. 
I either am that or I say things and afterwards I'm like oh my god what the fuck just came out of my mouth like if something possesses me it like comes from within (laughs) and I I be on my bullshit (laughs) I think that I'm almost there if I can have that confidence but I'm not there right now yeah it's not an every time thing for me but sometimes sometimes it hits you in the right spot your mouth just opens <laughs> but yeah the spice was given and I like that this was because when authors write about dominant men the spice always seems to be the same mm. but I think this was showing dominant hot commanding man in a different way I think that it was interesting because they'd been together for so long. It was almost like their like their whole relationship had matured, right? But I felt like their sexual chemistry had matured too, to where he knew exactly like what she wanted. And so and they said several times like sex was never our problem. Like we have always been fine sexually. But I think because like it was almost like the spice was mature. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. It was giving. It was. Like, I think we got the full range of their story. Yeah. I really like this series because I feel like the Twisted series, they were all really young. They were, like, 22 to, like, what, 25? And this series, I feel like they're in their, like, their younger 30s. So I like that Anna has has pivoted to have an older female. And I like that because I'm pretty sure it was Anna who said that, that she's not going to write like a spinoff from the Twisted series. So I feel like this in a way is a more like a continuation of Twisted, but yeah. just in a different way. Like we got Christian Harper's security company was mentioned. Did you not so notice that Josh and Jules were in this too? No. Which one was Josh and Jules in? The couple on this one. The couple on vacation when they were scuba diving was definitely Josh and Jules. Oh, no. I did not pick up on that. Which is interesting because Josh is everyone's least favorite. Yeah, I that was my least favorite in the Twisted book. I wonder if she put them in there for like a redemption for Josh and Jules because everybody that's, hates them. That's pretty interesting. Oh, the atter- the couple that kept fighting. No, that they was- weren't fighting. They were like just like get going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I did not pick up that that was them. I knew it immediately when she describes them on the beach. And it was this like hot Asian guy and this like busty, curvy redhead. I was like, oh, I bet that's Josh and Jules. Oh, that's pretty. That's like a neat way just to like. Yeah, I like, like that she like. In. Yeah, it is kind of like a continuation, and they all kind of live in the same universe, and I like that. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, so getting into some discussion questions. I know, Sav, you hinted at this earlier, but would you have lasted as long as Alessandra did, or would you have, like, folded and, like, forgave Dominique sooner? No, I think I would have held out longer. Here's my thing. My pet peeve in life is that I don't want to look stupid. That is, like, my biggest thing. And so I feel like I'm so goddamn stubborn. If I divorce somebody, like, you... 
to me, I think going back to the person that you divorced, granted, if you're in love, like, this is just my opinion. So like, if you've done this, I don't think that you personally are stupid. But that to me, I'd be like, Oh, my God, people must think that I'm an idiot for coming back to this. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I would have needed more time. I think I would have forgave him sooner. <laughs> I think I think I would not have forgiven him in Brazil. Mm. I think I probably would have forgiven him when he had came to help clean up the shop. I think at that point is when I would have forgiven him, but definitely not in Brazil. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I think that he grew a lot and like I'm thankful, but I would be so nervous about the past, like repeating it. Yeah. 10 years is a really long time to be unhappy. Yeah. That's a you long know what time. I mean? Like, and so I just don't think I could like let go of 10 years of unhappiness that easily. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Cause I, when she was waiting for the front door to open for their trip for their 10 year anniversary, I was like, my heart like broke for her. Yeah. Yeah. And like all the flashbacks, this is my thing too. I want to know like three years after this book ends, right? Does she throw it back in his face that he was not there a lot? Because I feel like you'd have to both be really healthy to maneuver this in a way that like, like, do you just equally forget about it and move on and just like never mention it again? Do you know what I mean? I think if I was all assigned, like I pardon me would never forgive. Right. That's what I'm saying. A pardon me would never forgive. So I just don't understand how this would like really work and how this would play out. So that's what I'm saying. I liked it. It was really interesting. It was nothing that we've read before, which I can always appreciate. But like, I do not need everybody to start doing this because I don't think it's that realistic. Yeah, um, the only other Marriage of Crisis book that I've read was Chloe Elise has one of the Bergman Brothers book. Uh-huh. is a marriage in crises, but nobody else knows that they're in crises. And they're stuck on this big family vacation. Mm. And so, and I really like that. And they don't, they don't divorce in that book, but it's like a marriage in crisis trope. But that's the only one I know that has this trope. How long had they been in crisis? I want to say two years. See, that's kind of, I think, where I'm like, ooh, this is hard to come back from. Because, like, if you've been fighting for, like, a couple months and then you're stuck on a family, like, that to me is perfect. But I think at one point, Dominic thinks this um, because he's talking about the way that Vivian, Isabella, and Sloan were kind of treating him. He says it was one thing for the other poison the other person to point out the flaws in a relationship it was another thing for a third party to do so with unerring accuracy especially when I thought everything had been fine so like I just think about like your relationships are just tough to navigate at this point because everyone knows that you've been fucking up for like eight years you know what I mean yeah I um let's see Oh, their marriage is in crisis because she wants a baby and he doesn't want a baby. Mm, that's what the so that's, book is about? That's the Chloe Elise one about. But yeah, no, like, when, that's uh, something that you can explain and, like, talk through. This, like, he literally ignored her and, like, was a yeah. bad husband. You know what I, mean? I don't know. I guess- Like, she says, she was like, you broke my heart and you weren't even there to witness it. Like, when Alessandra said that, I was like, oh, 
like damn like it was brutal it was but I like that she like she handed it back to him like he didn't get sympathy I liked how the friends like the guy friends were like you fucked up dude and you've been fucking up for a while yeah yeah so I think that that's where I'm like that's where I struggle I don't know that I would have been able to forgive him because I am not the type of person that can just like totally move on from a situation and never bring it back up again especially if I'm gonna get mad you know what I mean and so like I don't think I could helpfully pick this relationship back up again completely understand okay did you guess that Ronan was the villain I thought Aiden was the villain I thought hands down Aiden was the villain I like I was shocked when I found out that it was Ronan but then I was like okay it kind of makes sense but I don't know why I was always suspicious of Aiden. What about I, you? Oh, Aiden was the landlord, right? The landlord, yeah. I thought that Ronan was going to be the villain, but finding out that all these things were happening with the banks, and so this one guy took over, and then he was going to kill off all the other bank heads, I did not see that shit coming at all. No, and I love the little mystery aspect of this book. Yeah, and I did So too. I was kind of like, the betrayal, this, this. But I just thought deep in my bones that something was fishy about Aiden. I still kind of think something's fishy about Aiden. Why was he so nice to her? Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, he's the villain. Then turns out he's not the villain. I feel like Anna Wang has to like have a background in corporate finance or something. Like how the fuck does she know all this shit about finance? No, it has to be because all of her books, some of her books, most of her books have like a finance. Yeah, they're like, like mostly well. billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just like, yeah, she goes into detail and I'm she like. She does. About like acquisitions and like all kinds of shit. And I don't understand any of that. No. Nope. Right over my head. <laughs> so I was a business minor in college. I don't know. That should not have been a choice. But my boyfriend the other day, I guess he was, like, saying that somebody was, like, scamming somebody. And he, like, promised, like, 19%, like, return on an investment. And I was, like, shouldn't it be, like, 100? Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't feel like that much. But, okay, but apparently 19 is pretty good. Oh, okay. And I was just, like, I... I could never be with a finance bro because I wouldn't know what to talk to him about. Oh my God. That is my <laughs> personal hell. A finance bro in a Patagonia vest. No, thank you. Listen. I just took out my Patagonia vest. <laughs> <laughs> you are a finance bro in a Patagonia vest, obviously. We have never claimed to be a, a finance podcast. We just read a lot of books about billionaires. Exactly. So I guess we are like a pseudo finance podcast. I'm going to put us in the in the finance section of Apple Podcasts. <laughs> um, 680, the fan, is like a local radio station in Atlanta. And they talk about sports. And they're looking for podcasts to like join. I was like, they want to know about like romance, <laughs> like sports romance. Are they interested in Fair Catch by Candy Steiner? <laughs> funny okay getting into our favorite segment which is how we view dominic i will start us off i pictured first of all him being blonde did throw me off initially i was leaning towards like the guy from 365 days kind of vibe but now i'm leaning more towards like a young brad pitt 
I think that he is always in a shoot in a suit, always looking sharp. He wears Ray-Ban Wayfarers. Like, can't you see him behind the wheel of like a convertible with some Ray-Ban Wayfarers on? Always has a watch on. I also think that he would be the type that like gets a manicure, not like a nail color manicure, but like gets his cuticles taken care of privately. He's not just like popping into a New York City nail salon. Reads the newspaper in the morning while drinking his coffee. I also think that he probably has reading glasses and I bet he looks hot as fuck in a pair of reading glasses. Um, I can just, he is giving very much like Martha's Vineyard in the summer, like rich, classic American dream boy. It really just hit me. But Dominique is Logan from Gilmore Girls Grown Up. Oh my god, that is the best comparison you have ever made. That just like hit me. Like Logan. Oh my god. Is, yeah. Yeah. That just like hit me right now that that like he is Logan grown up. Oh, that makes him hotter. I that makes him that makes <laughs> him up in my book. Because I'm a Logan girl. Oh uh, yeah, I'm very team Logan. Okay, so he reminded me of Christian Gray from Fifty Shades of Gray. And I think it's kind of like the boardroom, just like the business like aspect. He is dominating in the boardroom and he's just as dominating in the bedroom. He always picks you up from girls' night no matter how late it is. Always supports your hobbies no matter what it is. Like he is just always going to support. He drinks his coffee black and is a big like whiskey, neat kind of guy. He owns like eight different cars. Like he's a big car guy, but his go-to is like a sleek black sports car most of his friends are ceos or mafia bosses and he has two phones mm-hmm. he has like a business phone and a personal phone i think that he wakes up at 4 a.m to work out in his private gym but it's boxing like i feel like he is like boxing and he only has one tattoo and it's the tattoo wedding band is he wearing lululemon <laughs> goodbye it's his genuine question. Is he wearing Lululemon? I think so. I think so. He's wearing like $500 like socks. <laughs> He's wearing hand-knit cashmere socks to the fucking yeah. gym. <laughs> okay. Getting into our scientifically boy- proven boyfriend pyramid. I feel like this is going to be an interesting one. At the bottom, we have ultimate friends with benefits. Could be the one, could not be the one. You'll just like, could be long term situationship. Something is happening. Then you have meet the parents. He could be the one, just could be the stage of your life where he just like fits, but you bring him to meet the parents and you might, might go somewhere, might not be. And then you have white picket fence, the happily ever after, the kids' soccer games on Saturday. You're just living that happily ever after. And then at the top, you have God tier where there is just some extra like, to him so Sav where are you putting Dominique okay I'm gonna put Dom at the higher end of meet the fam or the lower end of white picket fence I can see that where are you putting Dom I put him at God tier because I think first part Dominique would have been like meet the fam but second part Dominique is God tier for me yeah I, here's where I'm at. I think I need a little more oomph from him. He felt very, like, 
pretty boy to me. Like, I can see that. They didn't want to do any manual labor. And, you know, I either like them to be, like, fairies and, like, 458 years old, or I like a blue-collar boy in my books. So he was just a little too, like, manicured and polished for me, I think. And I don't, I can't, I don't think I could get over the second chance bit of it in my brain. I think that's understandable. Where, who's his roomie in God tier? Do you have a roomie for him? What is, who is the, um, King of Wrath's guy? Dante? Yes, him and Dante are roommates. Because I had Dante and God of Tear, God Tear, yeah. I think I had Dante at God Tear, too. And I liked this book. Yeah, they would be roommates. Can I explain i would like to rant and like i have a bone to pick with authors yeah why does everybody have to be pregnant as someone who is currently like trying to get pregnant and it is not going well and i'm like trying my hardest to be positive and like happy for others like does every bitch need to get pregnant like is that just where we're at no and i liked how did the second knock em out book ended it did not end with her being pregnant it just no. ended with like them getting they're like they being happy together. Yeah. Yeah, just like being happy together. Yeah. No, I think that that kind of needs to go away that oh to have the happily the happily ever after that you have to have a baby. A baby. Yeah. And like a house and a yard and a dog. You know what I mean? And like I think it's fine from time to time, but like Anna already had Vivian getting like everybody does not need to have a baby like that does not need to be yeah. something that happens in every fucking book that we read and I feel like I'm only saying this because I feel like Anna is a repeat offender like I feel like everybody gets pregnant in her epilogues that is like a thing that she does no it is anyways that's my bitchy bone to pick of the week yeah like I think that them it honestly could have ended they had their wedding it could have ended with them growing their garden together or like having friends over for like a dinner party and just seeing that like everything that they love like I did love that it ended with their sweet child like that's sweet but I'm just kind of like okay and because we have four more books in this series there's no way that every person gets gets pregnant I bet you every fucking person but like one will get pregnant it'll probably be like Isabel who doesn't or Sloan yeah um, my other thing, I'm just being a bitch now. I feel like people have stopped listening at this point, so I can just be a true cunt. Um, if you get married a second time, or to the same motherfucker, okay, you get married again, same person. Are you having a big wedding? Like, what? No, we're going, like, out of the country, and, like, ten of us are just gonna go. Or we're gonna go to Vegas, but I'm not doing the whole thing again. Like, if I get divorced from Seth and I marry him again, are y'all going to buy me the same shit on my registry again? Like, is that how this works? No, no, because that's the thing. And I would have got understood if maybe their first marriage that was, like, under bad circumstances, like, a parent was sick. But they were happily yeah. in love when they had their first wedding. Like, it was – so, no, if Gergen, no, they should have gone to, like, with his money, like, Lake Como – or right. Brazil and just like party yeah like they had like a 200 person wedding like bitch we we all know you as a married couple like what do you mean do you have the same bridesmaids like is it everybody's the same 
Like, can you imagine going to your mom? Obviously, like, they had money, so it was different. But, like, going to your parents and being like, hey, I'm going to get married again to the same person. Lynn would be like, cool, bitch, pay for that (laughs) shit yourself. Because I already paid for one of your weddings to this same person. (laughs) Yeah, and other parents would be like, have you lost your mind? Yeah, like, no, I'm not getting you a gift. You're going to be lucky if I show up. Like, I already did the whole wedding thing with this one person. Yeah, no, I thought that was pretty... Okay, maybe I'm just a bitch, but those are my two bitchy opinions that I saved till the end so I didn't lose people. You know what I mean? (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of The Spice Rack on King of Greed by Anna Wang. Sorry, I got a little bitchy there at the end, but that's fine. (laughs) Anyways, next week we're gonna go back to one of the favorite, one of our favorite authors that we've ever covered on the pod. So Between Love and Loathing by Shine shane rose this is a fake dating enemies to lovers with like a will contract in there so i think it'll be fun we haven't read it but it's getting really good reviews and so we'll see y'all next week bye guys see you guys next week bye